0: Where does knowledge come from? Uh, <clears throat> How many of you are in school? Raise your hand if you're in school. Any kind of school. Maybe you're doing some training at work or whatever. How many of you are in school? Raise your hand real high. I want to see. Real high. All right. School of Hard Knocks. Of hard knocks. <laughs> Kenny. <clears throat> uh, I, I remember when, when I was in seminary, we had a, a speaker, an incredible preacher, um, as a matter of fact, I would say one of the best preachers I have ever heard in my life. His name was Gardner Taylor, incredible preacher. And he came to seminary, and I'll never forget it. He said, you know, I'm always nervous when I preach at a seminary. And I thought, boy, this guy, he's, I mean, he's top of the top. Why would he be nervous? He said, because seminaries are vast warehouses of knowledge, he said, all the freshmen who come in, they know it all. And he says, and when they leave, they leave it all. And he says, it builds up over the years. <laughs> Vast warehouses of knowledge. How, how do you gain knowledge? We, we, we talk about school as if somehow school can give us knowledge. School can give us learning School doesn't really give us knowledge. You and I both know, Kenny said, uh, when I asked where does knowledge come from, uh, w- knowledge comes from experience, doesn't it? Y- you don't really know something until you've done it. I, I-, I was watching uh, the the countdown timer and the, and the lady shepherd there, and I-, uh, I-, I thought, man, I thought I knew a lot about shepherding. I've read a lot about shepherding. But then I started thinking, you know, I don't know much about being a shepherd. I I know what I've been taught. But my guess is you get out there and you discover things are different. Doesn't that happen often with you? you? You learn something, but when you get out there, you find out, well, you could do it this way and it might be a little easier, or this way. You know, you can read all about cooking, Uh, But when you start cooking, I I don't care what you read, um, you get there and it's a whole different experience, isn't it? And and when you pull that whatever it is out of the oven, you look at it and you say, hmm. Now, if you have someone else there who has cooked for years, as you start going through your knowing how to cook they sometimes will stop you and say, why don't you try this? I've discovered it works a little better. You you know what I'm talking about? I I don't care what it is. Um, You can do all the learning you want, but you don't really know it until you try to do it yourself. In this morning's passage, we read about shepherding. And I want you to think about a shepherd's knowledge. You you can learn about being a shepherd, but it's not until you get out there that you really know what the great dangers are. Now, you and I can say, well, I bet when a lion comes or a bear comes, that's probably the most dangerous time. But how do you know that it's not more dangerous when you come to a cliff or to to an area that is um, deep with water? Maybe that spot is actually more dangerous. How often would you see a bear or a lion? Maybe not that often, but you come across these other dangers more frequently. And a good shepherd, a good shepherd knows where the dangers are and knows where the safe places are and leads the sheep to places that are safe and secure, places of peace and rest, places where they can get where they need what they need to eat. A good shepherd knows their sheep. They know sheep in general. They know what a sheep needs to survive. They know how how much exercise a sheep needs. They know how often you need to shear a sheep so it doesn't get too hot in the summer or too cold in the winter. Now you can read all about that, but my guess is there are certain sheep that have to be treated differently than other sheep. You have to know what kind of sheep you have. You see, a shepherd's knowledge goes beyond just the generalities. They also have to know their individual sheep, don't they? Because just because they're a certain kind of sheep, there are abnormalities among sheep, are there not? Some sheep, uh, some sheep need to be hit with a staff. Other sheep simply need to be encouraged. You have to know not just sheep in general, but you have to know individual sheep. And not only that, if you're a shepherd who wants to be the best, you want to watch the master shepherd, don't you? Because the master shepherd knows the best way to shepherd the sheep. A shepherd's knowledge is vast, a shepherd's knowledge goes beyond just what they've learned. It goes to the specifics of their flock and their sheep, of their area and their um, their needs. A shepherd is incredibly knowledgeable about sheep. On the other hand, sheep know nothing of that. How's that for a good English sentence? Sheep don't know anything. How's that? Better? They don't know anything about that. They they simply know the shepherd. And they've learned that they can trust the shepherd. You know how they learned it? Because the shepherd said, now you can trust me. And the sheep said, oh, we can trust you. Okay, no. The sheep know they can trust the shepherd because the shepherd has been faithful, has always taken them to the best place, has always protected them, has always provided for them. So the sheep don't have the knowledge of the shepherd. They don't know that there might be a bear around the corner. They don't know where the cliff is. They don't know where the best pasture land is. They don't know any of that. This is what they know they know the shepherd's voice, and they know that the shepherd is faithful. And so they are willing to trust the shepherd. Oh, I'm way behind here with my. <clears throat> I forgot my. Sorry. Well, maybe that tells you something. It's not working anyway. Hey, there it goes. <sighs> All right. Keep going, help me out. Help me out. Ike. okay. There we go. So this morning, as we look at this passage, we we want to look at the sheep's knowledge of the shepherd because we are the sheep in this pasture. We past passage. We are the sheep in this passage. We're not the shepherds. You see, we get confused. We think we can be the shepherds. We think we know what's best. We think we have the knowledge of what would work best for our lives. You see, because we've decided that we know more than the shepherd. Can you imagine a sheep that thinks they know more than the shepherd? So the shepherd says, follow me. And the sheep says, no way. I know this way is easier. And they begin on that, what they've considered, easier path. And for a while it may seem easier. But will it lead them to what's best for them? No, they don't know. We, we as, as human beings have decided... Way back, by the way, in the Garden of Eden, we decided. We decided that we knew what was best. And so we have tried to live our lives as if we know what is best. Now, l- l- let, me, let me caution you here a minute, because you will say to me, no, I'm not like that. I, I believe that God knows what's best for my life, Okay? But let me caution you, because what I've discovered is when I say I believe that God knows what's best for my life, and then I read the Bible and God tells me something, I say, well, maybe that's not really what's best. No, no, no. I say, that's what's best for somebody else. Or I say... I. I don't like this passage, I'll read one of these other passages and try to fit that into this context. Why did God have me read the other passage to begin with? You see, the problem is for a sheep to truly go where the shepherd wants them to go, they have to follow the shepherd's voice, don't they? They can't say, well, my way is better. They have to submit to the shepherd. Okay, the shepherd says this is the best way. That's the way I'm going. So I am going, uh oh. okay. This is going to frustrate me. Maybe we'll forget that all together this morning. Forget it, I... I. Uh, Just imagine in your mind. Can you do that? I I know this is a a retro way of doing the sermon, so just kind of imagine in your mind um, uh, what this looks like, okay? So the shepherd calls the sheep, and the sheep have to listen to the shepherd's voice. If the sheep want to go where it's safe, and where there's pasture, they have to follow the shepherd. They have to follow his voice. He calls to them. If they don't follow him, they will not find safety and pasture. That's what the passage says in verse 9. See, now we might want to open our Bibles. <clears throat> and in verse 9 of chapter 10, it says, Jesus says, I am the gate, whoever. Enters through me will be saved, he says. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, I want you to think about that a minute. If you are willing to follow the voice of Jesus, you will be saved. Not might be, not could be, but you will be saved. The Scripture is very clear that if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you accept Him as a Savior, in other words, to forgive your sin and take away your sin, if you accept His death on the cross for you, and He died for me and for you because our sin separates us from God, And the Scripture says the wages of sin is death. So somebody has to die. And in order to have that relationship restored, somebody has to die. Well, if it's you or me, we die eternally. But Jesus died in our place so that we could have life and have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. (coughs) It's called salvation. It happens Through Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen any other way. You can't be good enough to be saved. Jesus said, I am the gate. You have to go through me. You can't go through Muhammad. You can't go through Buddha. You can't go through any other religion. Jesus said, you have to have a relationship with me. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when you have that relationship, he becomes your shepherd, and he's going to lead you The psalmist said, he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us beside the still waters. A lot of people like that. Oh, man, doesn't that sound beautiful? Can you imagine that? Beside the still waters. We think, that's a beautiful image that he takes us beside the still waters. What you need to know is that for a shepherd, still waters is dangerous. Because it's in the still waters that all the junk and all the disease begins to pool. The shepherd takes you beside the still water; doesn't let you stop. You got to keep going. If you stop at the still waters, you might drink and get sick. He keeps you going. You see, he wants you to be safe. He leads you in places where you will be. You will find peace in your life. Not just safety, but peace. He doesn't just save you, but he offers you peace. Later on in verse 10, Jesus will say, I've come that you might have life. You you remember that passage? You might have life and have it to the full or abundantly, depending on which translation you read. In other words, Jesus wants to lead you to a safe place. He wants to lead you to heaven. But on the way there, he wants to stop in pasture lands where you can find peace and rest, where life can have fullness and meaning. The shepherd wants you to listen to his voice. And as you listen to to his voice, that's what you find. You find life. Now, it's hard to listen to his voice if you're busy listening to other things, isn't it? Uh, so if you're if you're walking along, <clears throat> I, I did a when when I was in uh, youth ministry, I used to do this maze thing where I'd have two teams, and I'd send kids out, two kids out, one from each team, out of the room, and the teams would set up these mazes, and they would. They, they would set up their maze, and the, the person from each team would go to the opposite team's maze, and they would be blindfolded. And, and the teams had an opportunity to either encourage their team member to follow the maze, and of course, these two people didn't know who was on their team and who wasn't. Or they could, incur, they could go to the other team's maze and encourage that person to go the wrong way. So the person who's walking through the maze has to determine, is that voice a voice that's trying to get me through the maze, or is that voice a voice that's trying to get me to run into things? And it was interesting to watch, because some of them were friends. And because they were friends, they immediately thought, this person's on my team. And after hitting their shin on a chair four or five times, they decided maybe that's not a voice to listen to. You know, they gained knowledge because they kept running into things. But when they began to listen to their team, when they discovered who was really on their team, when they began to discover the voices that told them the right way, then all of a sudden the maze, even though they were blindfolded, became a whole lot easier. When we go through life, we hear a lot of different voices. A lot of people trying to tell us what's the best thing to do. And sometimes we get caught up trying to listen to those voices. I encourage you to begin to stop listening to everyone else's voice and listen for the shepherd's voice in your life. Because he's the one with the knowledge. He knows what's best. Listen for the shepherd's voice. Uh, For many years, I would listen to uh, the radio when I went from place to place. I do once in a while now. And and I'd listen to to two different stations. And one was uh, national public radio, uh, and I would listen to them. And and then the other was right-wing radio, uh, Rush Limbaugh, that kind of thing. And I thought, well, if I listen to these two sides, I'll get right in the middle, and I'll know what's true. No, No, I didn't get confused, Kenny, but what I realized was even the middle of that wasn't true. You see, because they both were talking about division, they were both talking about fear. Man, it was full of fear. Be afraid of this person, be afraid of this person, be afraid of this idea, be afraid of that idea. Be afraid of everything. And and so they were all about dividing people and filling them with fear. And then one day I stopped and I said, I'm going to stop listening to these voices. I'm going to listen to the voice of Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? Do not be afraid. That's what He said. As a matter of fact, every time He sent a messenger to earth, the first thing they said was, do not be afraid. Every time. Now obviously, if a angel showed up, your first response might be fear, but I think Jesus was saying something even a little deeper there. And then Jesus said this, love God and love each other. You remember that? And I realized that neither of those radio stations talked about loving God or loving each other. Whose voice are you listening to? You listening to the voice of fear or the voice of love? The shepherd is calling you to love. The world is calling you to fear. Not only do we need to listen to the shepherd's voice, but the sheep also are called by name by the shepherd. Did you catch that? They're called by name, by the shepherd. Now, this I'm going to ask you to do me a favor because we don't do this normally here, but I want you to reach into the pew ahead of you, and there's a Bible in there. Would you pull that out for me? Just pull that Bible out, and I want you to turn to the last book of the Bible. Now, a lot of people don't like talking about this last book of the Bible. I think it's a pretty exciting book. If you've never read it, it's filled with images and and all kinds of exciting things talking about um, the revelation of Jesus Christ, how Jesus will be revealed and how he will ultimately be revealed. But something very interesting appears over and over again in the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ about our relationship with Jesus. So I want you to turn to chapter 2 with me and look at verse 17. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. This is what it says. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna I will also give him a white stone with a what? A new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. A new name given to those who have overcome, and only those who receive it will know. Now, I want you to think about your name a minute. First of all, I want you to think about your given name. Um, I show the next the the next picture. Uh, I I wonder how some people feel about their names. <laughs> there was an old country song. I'm not a country fan, but uh, I kind of like this song about a boy named Sue. Anybody remember that? that that's an old old song. Uh, but yeah, a boy named Sue. Uh, we, we have a lot of fun watching hockey. One of the things I like about hockey is watching the last names of people. I mean, people don't have a choice, right? They, they get this name. Uh, Clutterbuck. I mean, you know, come on. Can, can, can you, we were watching football the other day. The, the poor kicker's name was Suckup. And and the commentator kept saying his name, and he never laughed once, and I'm dying. The poor guy. Uh, can you imagine? I mean, that's why you play football, right? I'm going to hit somebody. You call me suck up again, buddy. <laughs> I, I just wonder how, you know, and people don't, you don't have a choice, right? You're given a name. Well, in Scripture, when Jesus gives somebody a name, it has a purpose, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, in our congregation, some people have other names, don't they? I'm not going to go there. Uh, it, it makes my life very difficult when I go to the hospital. You know, I, I, go, I go to visit somebody. I go to visit Matthew uh, Bendig, and there is no Matthew Bendig here. What? I, I, go, I, I go to visit uh, Kelly Sheldon. There's, there's no Kelly there. What? I go to visit Weasel. <laughs> no Weasel there. I, <laughs> I, I I go to visit Barb. Barb Schultz. There's no Barb there. You, you see, you thought that was all their names, didn't you? So did I. But, but you begin to discover that people are sometimes called by other names for a whole number of different reasons. Jesus, do you remember when Jesus met Simon? And he immediately changes Simon's name. You'll no longer be called Simon. I'm going to call you Peter, which in, in Greek means rock. Why is he calling that? Well, later on we discover it's because Peter's going to proclaim Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus is going to say, that's exactly right, Peter. You got it right. Ding, 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 ding. And of course, Peter often got it wrong. So this was a good moment for Peter. And it changes Peter's life. Peter says, yes, you truly are who you say you are. I'm going to put all my eggs in your basket. And it transforms Peter. And Jesus says, you are Peter, you are the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And he doesn't mean the person Peter. He means the confession of Peter. Do you suppose that changed the way Peter felt about himself? If you study Peter through the New Testament, what you find out is Peter likes to speak. And he usually speaks before he thinks. Um, and, And so he says whatever's happening up here just comes out. And Jesus is frequently saying, Peter, as a matter of fact, one time he says, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) That, That would feel good, right? Jesus looking at him, get behind me, Satan. Oh, man, I screwed up again. I can't believe it. And here, all of a sudden, Jesus looks at him, and he says, yeah, you mess up over and over again, but I want you to know something about you. You have a faith that will stand like a rock. Do you suppose that would change the way Peter felt about himself? What I want you to know is that Jesus gives all His children a new name. If you look with me, you're in chapter 2 of Revelation. Turn over to chapter 3 and look at verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12. The Scripture says, Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the new city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down from heaven, uh, uh, out of heaven from God. And I will also write on him my new name. Okay. Now here's, here's here's the kicker, right? Jesus calls you by a new name. What name is he calling you by? Now I can't tell you because the scripture says only those who have overcome and have believed in him receive the new name and only they know it so what's the new name he's given you now some of you are feeling pretty pretty down and out about yourself i want you to know that jesus sees what's most special in your life, and He wants to use that for His kingdom. And He's going to call you by that name. As He transforms you, that's what He's going to call you. If He has touched you and begun to transform you, He is transforming you into what He created you to be in the first place. The question is, what is that? That's the question that's before us. Who is God changing you into? What is God making you into that you were created to be in the first place, that sin and rebellion and And uh, listening to your own voice rather than the voice of the shepherd has led you to. What's your name? What's your name? That should take you a week to figure out, huh? Keep thinking. Keep listening. He's got a name for you. The last thing I want you to see real quickly is that the sheep... Okay, so the sheep hear the shepherd's voice... The sheep have received a name from the shepherd. And lastly, the sheep follow the shepherd. That to me is amazing. Notice that the shepherd doesn't stand behind them and push them, right? He leads them. He leads them, and they follow him. There are a lot of other things that would have us follow them. The question is, are you willing to follow Jesus? And that means that you will go wherever He leads you. You won't say, I've got a better plan. You will say, I'll go where Jesus sends me. Now, I'm always amazed how many excuses we have why we can't go. Did you ever notice that? We have a lot of excuses. I can't go because I'm too old or I'm too young. That's usually the first one. I can't go because I'm not smart enough or I'm too smart. I can't go because I'm afraid. You remember when God called Moses? One of my favorite stories. Did you notice I say that a lot? (laughs) One of my favorite stories. God calls Moses, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Moses says, but God, no, I don't, he says, but God, I don't speak so well. He, uh, Moses got all the excuses, by the way. <laughs> by the way, uh, you stop and think about it, he had quite a few excuses, didn't he? He had killed a man in Egypt before he fled. What happens when you go back to the place where you kill somebody? What do they usually do? Oh, so glad you're back. Can't wait, couldn't wait to see you again. No. And so Moses had all the excuses and they're all right there on the tip of his tongue. And finally God's had enough and said Moses, if I call you, you should just simply go, but I'm going to send Aaron with you. And boy, what a mess that turned out to be. <laughs> Cuz at one point Aaron when Moses goes up to the mountain to get the 10 commandments, you remember that? He gets the commandments from God. And the tabernacle. And while he's up there, who's in charge? Aaron. Aaron. And what happens? Oh, it's a mess. They decide to build an a, a, a image and worship the image. And, and of course, I, I love it when Moses comes back. Aaron says, well, you know, we just took the gold and threw it into the furnace. And this is what came out. <laughs> yeah, right, Aaron. <laughs> oh, humans are still humans, aren't they? We have all kinds of excuses. Where's God sending you? Where, where is the shepherd sending you? It may not be halfway around the world. It might be to your neighbor who lives, actually lives next door, or to your neighbor in Erie, or to your neighbor in Ohio, or to your neighbor in your house. Where's the shepherd sending you? And of course, you can't know, of course, unless you're listening to his voice. And if you're listening to, to his voice when he calls you by name, then you will follow. See how that works? And then you will have life. And have it, what was that word? Abundantly. Let's bow forward of prayer. Lord Jesus, help us to hear your voice. We listen way too often to other voices. Our hearts are caught up in the things of this world. Our minds are wrapped around the fear that we hear. Help us to stop and listen to you. To experience Your love and to begin to follow You. Lord God, help us this morning to begin to hear You call our name. That You would remind us of who You created us to be. Encourager, rock, wisdom, grace, joy, Peace, patience, courage, understanding. Teach us who we are, Lord Jesus, that we might be used best of all by you. And we ask, Father, this morning that uh, we would be all about following you, that we would go wherever you call us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, in my